Welcome to Married AF. We are your hosts, Brooke and Randall Fowler. On this show, we discuss the topics that really matter. Like big veiny cocks and our favorite TV shows. So pull up a chair at our kitchen table and hang out. While I bulldog my nuts. <laughs> oh, we got one. And it's either right. Tom or it's Tom or Miles. <laughs> very well, could be or my sister. Ooh, three. All right. Well, welcome to Married AF, everybody. This is a very special episode. That's why we're streaming it and recording it. Um, so you're going to get to catch it either way. But finally, back with family. We finally have Rachel Miller back. It feels like what's it been? Three, four years. <laughs> <laughs> it feels that way. Let me tell you, the last six months feel like years of my life. Yeah, so what's been going on? Let's catch everybody up. For one, tell everybody what you do, Rachel, um, for the new people maybe that haven't uh, listened back and heard you yet. Um, So I'm a marriage and family therapist. I'm also currently a PhD student. And so the last six months of my life have been insanely busy. Um, I had the last two semesters of PhD classwork. And so now I'm moving into dissertation. But it was an intense six months of classwork. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I bet we used to, uh, for, you know, just recapping for new, uh, listeners, um, Rachel used to come on the show. We did it every month mm-hmm. for, yeah. I don't know, for a while. And then mm-hmm. she got really balls deep into finishing up this, uh, PhD stuff. And so understandably, I mean, you can't, I don't, I couldn't do that and no. anything else. So <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I made a trip to Scotland in there to do a presentation and I had, it was, I just, I had a statistics class that kicked my ass. And so I sort of just shut down everything until that was over. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do our shot, babe, to uh, powerful uh, Rachel Miller being back. Woo-hoo. Aw, thanks. Absolutely. Cheers. All right. So, uh, yeah, with that out of the way, so that? good to have you <laughs> what was uh, back. What was that? Uh, that was muscle vodka, peach schnapps, and cranberry juice. Okay. It's called a woohoo. Supposedly. Oh, yeah. You looked that up in the car the other day. Yes. Woohoo. That doesn't sound terrible for a change. It's not. It's not. It was just a, like, it, I don't know if, I think mine had settled a little bit. So it was like. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know what? I what? really I mean, did. You guys have had so some bad. really bad ones. <laughs> oh, God, yes. We've had some terrible ones <laughs> that have made me almost throw up on the show, I think. Well, here's a uh, first thing I want to do is kind of catch. Uh, Rachel up has anything changed with us besides this we do have a new uh a new sponsor that we can announce tonight which I'm super stoked about uh it's uh effing gear and apparel it's e-f-f-i-n-g gear and they make some of the sickest hats tank tops sunglasses out there look them up on Instagram uh they're fucking awesome I can't believe that they're gonna that they want to work with us effing I'm Gear with a E F F I N G G E A R. Yeah, G E A R dot com is the website. Okay, but uh, look at you guys! Every time I turn around, you have a new sponsor. Yeah, we've mixed it up. We also have uh, we can bring in. We had two today that that started, and we just saw your cat. That's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, that. no, that is. We, I love it. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Cats are so funny like that. I mean, the better part would be to bring the puppies in, but, you know, they wouldn't stay still long enough. Yeah, so. oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but Vita- uh, Vital Tattoo Care. 
Oh. Um, it is a like tattoo uh, highlight, like for your skin. Actually, makes your tattoos pop. You can also use it as the uh, even old the tattoos. Af- yes, but okay. when you get tattooed, it, you know, it can be used as your ointment as well for healing. So, mm-hmm. uh, cool shit. And then we got our standard sponsors, Biobidet, so you can clean your uh, butthole. Yes. Uh, that's standard here at Married AF. Uh, you can save ten yep. percent uh, by using the promo code Married AF. Uh huh. And Muscle Vodka. Muscle Vodka. And for the love of God, I really am starting to feel special because and underzips. Underzips are uh, the best underpants on planet Earth with pockets, and Wait, they have the what? American flag on them. Underzips uh, underwear that's sponsored. Uh, they were actually probably the first one that reached out that liked Uncle Randy. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God, this just fits. And they're right. It's a perfect uh, fit. And you're going to hate me as much as Brooke because I will refer to myself in the third person when I'm Uncle Randy. <laughs> and I confuse myself because I don't know who I am anymore. So. And he says, God damn, too much. But it's a character. I got it. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Well, and that, that's our very first question. I wanted to, I wanted to answer the listener question and then get Rachel's thoughts on the psychology of how bad this is confusing me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it said, uh, Randall, where do you see Uncle Randy going in the future? Mm-hmm. Well, nowhere. I mean, I don't... Anywhere besides what I'm doing now. Now, listen, I want to kind of get this out there, though, to people, because a lot of people have been asking. I wouldn't say that Uncle Randy is a character, right? He's very much me. I mean, it's, it really it's is me. It's just a very just amplified a version of you. And people ask me about the language, and I get it. But the language, has for me, and this may not be right, so this is where I'm going to come to you, Rachel, very first. Okay. The language, to me, is important for who a big part of the demographic is for me, and that's for young men that aren't getting talked to about sex. Um, you know, it's kind of just to be on their level. That may not be right. I don't know, but it seems to strike a chord and fit. Plus, I, I don't have a very clean language, so it's not very far-fetched uh, for me. Well, I was going to say, like, you know me as much as I know you, and dropping a good F-bomb is never a problem in my world. So <laughs> unless you're worried about offending the audience, I'm not sure why you'd care. No, I'm not. I just wanted people to know. I've, you know, people have asked me, but I saw your... Did you see the thing she posted? Was it today, the Facebook post, or yesterday about the using the f bomb and that guy that was getting? Uh... <laughs> I think that was yesterday. Yeah, I look. I Tom says it all the time. My husband, for the new listeners, he says he's like Rachel's the therapist who says fuck. It's true. <laughs> it's kind of true. I kind of warn people up front when they meet me, so you should know I curse. I don't think of anything about it. I curse in front of my kids i did it when they were little they're adults now i still do it like <laughs> i mean am i careful with people's kids in my therapy office yes but if you're an adult in my therapy session if i'm gonna if i'm gonna call you on your bullshit and i'm gonna tell you to fucking knock it off yeah. like, <laughs> it, it just doesn't work the same it doesn't work the same to say like i think that's inappropriate are you fucking kidding me yeah like yeah. it it has a different meaning and it's not everybody's cup of tea. And that's why I warn people ahead of time. Like, this is who I am. If it makes you uncomfortable, let me know. I'll attempt to adjust. But you should know it's not like I tend to just run my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like the point that uh, that video made. I thought it was actually spot on. I would have shared it. I mean, I think it would fit for all three of us. But 
that, you know, if somebody's like, you know, your cussing is really upsetting me. You're like, really? That's what's bothering you? Right. You know, of all the <laughs> other shit. There's 50,000 other things in the world that are <laughs> worth getting upset about. Or for me, it's like a, it's like an emphasis, right? Like it's. It, it's like a punctuation. Yes. <laughs> so like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't know. I can't. I get that it's not everybody's thing. I totally understand that. That's absolutely fine. And if I know it's not your thing, I might try to be a little gentler, but I can't promise I'm not going to say fuck. I'm just, yeah. I can't. Yeah. Well, like, can can you do us a favor? Can, yes. you, can you find the Uncle Randy video about consent? It should be the one before last, I think. Um, I think, yeah, I think I saw that one. Um, it's a black and white one, right? Yes, ma'am. I know I commented on it, so I have to make sure. And I did. Go oh, yeah, yeah. Here it is. I went and followed that Instagram account that you said to follow also. Oh, they're great. Yeah, the <laughs> Sex Positive Families, they're an amazing Instagram account. If you're looking for some really solid ways to talk about your talk to your kids about sex mm -hmm. from the time they're born to the time they're teenagers, how to address some of this stuff, the Sex Positive Families account is brilliant i yeah. can't i need to look into it a little bit about how to tell gunner to stop saying penis so much <laughs> yeah hey, <laughs> he literally uh, just uh, screamed it in the middle of the grocery store yesterday baby you wasn't <laughs> you weren't around but we <laughs> we were in the aisle and i had to get freaking tampons and then so he was looking at all like the depends and stuff and he was like that's to cover your penis nice. and then i was like okay let's just not scream it and then we, we like we started walking and he literally just went penis like just for no reason. <laughs> no, I was like, one word to say, mom. I know. I was like, oh, baby, can we just try? I'm like, great. The whole grocery are staring at me now. Hey, I've got to share this uh, uh, message we got from somebody in the chat for uh, Rachel. It's fucking hilarious. Michelle Guild, who is an awesome podcaster, she's funny as shit. If you don't follow her yet, Rachel, you need to. Rachel's getting back. I mean, she also kind of dropped off Twitter. She was like the Oprah on Twitter till she had to back off for school. <laughs> yeah. So, Michelle, I'm sure she'll be back or whenever she's done, she'll be back more active. But Michelle said, Rachel, I had a terrible therapist who whenever I told her something, she'd just say that's fucked up. <laughs> And that's it's all what? she and that's all she ever had to say. So I stopped seeing her. So basically, what I'm saying is, Rachel, please help me. <laughs> her therapist would just say that's fucked up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the truth is, is we all have pretty fucked up lives. It just depends on which part we're sharing, right? <laughs> like, and the question is, is uh, that's not even that's not even true. Here's the thing: lots of therapists are taught to sort of be like a blank slate and like let you just sort of talk through your stuff and like come to your own conclusions about things and work through stuff and it's not that I don't buy some of that but for therapists to pretend like we don't have a stance and that we don't have bias in the room and we don't have opinions and that we can't offer some insight that maybe the person sitting across from us has never thought to have like that's just ignorant like if you're there to help people actually help them right like but the world is full of really crappy therapists everybody knows it i always feel terrible when i hear about it because i'm like god you give the rest of us a bad name but there are some and i always tell people if the shoe doesn't fit don't wear it take it back find a new <laughs> pair like, amen to that what are you paying for if they just sit there and don't have any input like yeah that's crazy yeah. do you have that uh queued up rachel 
I think I do. Uncle Randy here with a listener question. Uncle Randy, I'm the father of a teenage boy, and I'm having a hard time having to talk with him. Do you know where to start? Do you have any advice? Listen, you know I do, goddamn. You need to start with consent. You understand me? You need to run up and down the gamut of consent. He needs to know that motherfucker inside and out. And I don't care if you didn't have to know consent when you were younger, goddamn. They do now. You better become the expert. You got to talk about dick pics and tit pics. And how them shits can ruin his life in one bad decision. They got to know the importance. All right, listen, I don't want to be hard on you, but you got to stop being a goddamn pussy boy, too. And you got to man up. You got to be able to have these hard discussions because it's your job as the father. You got to be able to talk about dicks, balls, tits, and assholes. Listen, you need to tuck your sack back, sir. Suck it the fuck up and have this conversation over and over again. If you want him to be able to navigate these waters of sex nowadays, you better do it. Uncle Randy loves you, goddamn. Baby, I think I figured it out. I figured out why the Uncle Randy videos bother me. It's because that voice you use is the angry voice you use when you yell at the boys. It is, 100%. 100%. And so it like... You yell at people. Yeah, and I'm like... Ah. Uh, like it, I just it, it, I've never thought of that. And, and he I, doesn't it, do that very often. It's like when he get, when he has to really drive a point home with the boys, like that's the voice he uses. Well, that's why I never have to spank, Rachel. It's not necessary. <laughs> oh, which, well, but also, isn't that what he's trying to do here? Is okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. But I felt, I remember when I recorded this one, as soon as I was done, I was like, Rachel liked this one. I really think so. <laughs> I remember talking with her. I think she's going to agree. I think so. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think um, the thing about consent, though, is people sort of think of it as only about sex, and it's not. You know, and we've touched on this before where consent really is all the way back to like, when kids are little and they don't want to give hugs and kisses goodbye and we force them to do things they don't want to do like yeah. consent is, is a long drawn out process. So if you haven't been really t- talking about consent with your kids until they're teenagers, it's a very different conversation to have. And there's, there's stuff on the sex positive families account about consent. I posted something on my Facebook, um, on, on my Facebook business page, I think a day or two ago, about um, talking to specifically cisgendered teenage boys. Mm. So boys who were born in a male body and identify as male, talking to them about just sex and the first time they're having it. And I actually think I just saved something. I'll post it as soon as we're done um, that specifically talks about consent. Cause it's not just like a one-time conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We pretend like there's the birds and the bees talk, but that's not what, we should be doing we should be talking about it to randall to your point like there's so much more than this it's about can you ask for pictures the answer is no don't ever do that yep. <laughs> right. not a good like, idea you know how did how do you teach and i would argue this isn't just this isn't just teenage boys this is teenage girls as well yeah. and anyone even non-binary about this conversation around I'll say manipulation and coercion around trying to get those kinds of things from people. Like, so it's, it's so much more than just talking about like, if she says no, she means no, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's bigger than that. But your point was spot on. Adults have to be able to talk about it and they don't have the language. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like I've realized, you know, with uh, my oldest coming into these years now, like it's, mm-hmm. it's it's even more opened my eyes, especially in this last year, man. I mean, he's fourteen. He's got a beard, mm-hmm. uh, a steady girlfriend. Like you know, it is flat out yeah. in my face, and you know from just discussions with him because I, I talk about it a lot with him you know and it, it's mm-hmm. important to me but I've from him hearing from him I realize how many other of his friends aren't getting that from their dads they right. haven't been talked to so right. what boys will do and I remember because I was this boy mm-hmm. you lie you know with your buddies you make up shit or you 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 uh, what's the word when you, you exaggerate yeah you yeah. exaggerate your sexual conquests yeah. you know what you know all kind of and it, and it's not okay and I talked about that too in a video because that was really good too you're right you know I've learned that it's crazy because I'm guilty of all these things I'm trying to talk to kids that haven't been talked to about I've been there probably done them all or worse but um, I know how uncomfortable it is but I just want dads to realize that once you break the seal it's not so bad but you just need to break that motherfucker you gotta talk about buttholes and you know breast tits buttholes vaginas (laughs) dicks all of you know you just got to get it out and start talking about it and it it, then it's not so bad you know it still sucks but it's not so bad right and part of part of how you make that it's once you have teenagers and you've never done that then it's it's challenging i don't deny that it is and this is where like parents having good language for how to do this is helpful. Um, And so, you know, utilizing some of the stuff that I know I've posted, sex positive families posted, that can help give you the words. But also if you're talking about things with proper language to, you know, to Gunner's point, it's a penis, call it a penis. And then when you talk about putting a condom on a penis later, it's not a big deal. I have a real hard time telling them what I have though, for some reason. What do you think that's about? I don't know. I don't want to say it Let's to him. Let's talk about that. I Rachel. don't want to say it that? to him. I call, I, like, if I have to, because he, he says, he'll, like, say something about me having a penis. And I'm like, I don't have one. Girls don't have one, baby. And, like, I'll end up referring to it as, like, lady parts. Because I'm like, I don't want to say vagina to my. I know he's five. And, like, he's, he's saying. So give him vulva. I, give him <laughs> okay well see here's the thing rachel <gasps> i'm he's, such a chicken with that at five right now he's a very smart fine you know and he'll use it he'll use smart, it but he's at that age where he's very inquisitive he wants to know yeah. why like if you tell right. him that he's oh also going to say well what is that uh-huh. how does right. that work where mm-hmm. does that come from yeah so do you poop out of that what do you do? How do you, uh, you know, yeah. he'll ask all that crazy oh, shit. He, there's always follow-up questions. Like, he doesn't even... Thunder, last night, I was telling Randall, I was like, when I was a kid, my parents told me that Thunder was like... Or, like Angels bowling. Yes, it was God and angels bowling. And I was like, cool, sounds good. I say that to Gunner, he's like, who's God? Is he dead? Is he alive? Is he a ghost? What's he doing? How's he in the clouds? If they're in the clouds, Breezy went to heaven. How'd she get there? Did she fly? That and I'm like... Dog. <sighs> So like so, he's <laughs> so this is where the resources can be helpful. There's a I think I posted the other day a list of of books for kids books for varying ages. What's helpful? What's not? Um, because again, some of it is about language, and you as the parent have to be comfortable with the language. Mm-hmm. Like you have to feel like you own it for yourself in order to be able to talk about it with your kids. But it's also perfectly okay to not be comfortable 
and still talk to your kids and then talk about the fact that nobody talked to you about this and lots of people don't talk about it, which is why it's still uncomfortable for me. And I don't want you to be uncomfortable with it. So we're going to talk about it and mommy's going to practice. I know. That's the thing is that my mom was wide open talking about it. And I don't, so I don't know why it's so hard. Like I've talked to, I want to talk to him like, not like he's a baby, you know, like I I try to talk to him and rationalize things and explain things and, facts yeah but certain words to me i i'm hesitant because he's gonna go around saying things now (laughs) yeah but but he's already saying penis so why does it matter if he says vulva yeah and schools i I think and we think we're you know i would imagine all schools would prefer that they use the 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 proper scientific yeah 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 i mean it's probably not true but i would hope yeah i mean i would hope so that's more of what i'm saying too i don't know because i'm guessing at school that's where he was told to say that instead of god knows what else yeah Yeah. but if you find a good like if you find an age-appropriate book it'll sort of guide the conversation and you've got a really smart kid who's inquisitive Mm -hmm. books are sometimes the best way to have those conversations because then it's sort of guided Mm mm-hmm the conversation can stay more focused. Yeah, that's the perfect way probably is through a book because then it can be like, look, it's this book. Mommy explaining it to you through here. <laughs> is it is it possible, Rachel, that uh, it's harder for a mother to have that talk with a son and it would be that hard for me if I had a daughter? Like it's a little more because str- you've had one oh. of both. So is yes, it a I little? Know. Yeah. So is it a little was it a little harder for you with the young man than the young lady or? I don't think it was. I don't think it bothered you at all. You're just a champion. Truthfully, it was more the personality of my kids. Yeah. My son is much more like, okay, cool. And here's all the information. And what do Mm -hmm. I do with it? Yeah. My daughter is like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. She's Uh. like, no, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Gunnar and Mason sound like they're alike then. (laughs) Yeah. That's how Griffin was when we like really dove into it. Like, I don't know. It may have been like a year ago or six. When I mean, I gave the full gamut. It was like within a year. I've touched on it for many years now, like preparing Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. You know, this time I was like, you know, we got to cover it. You're going to sit here. We're going to talk about all of it, buddy. You're going to (laughs) hear every every damn bit of it. Just wait until you get to have that talk with Gunner. Gunner's going to be asking so many follow up questions. Griffin didn't say a word. Gunner's going to be like, hang on, I have notes, Dad. No, I think Gunner. Gunner looks so much like me. It'll be like I'm just talking to myself. Like oh, yeah. is what it'll be a little more like. There you but, go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he turned green. You know, it was uh, it was it wasn't hard for me, but I could tell how hard it was for him that I kind of loved it. You know that he was because he sat through it. You know, he had, and it, and everyone yeah. lived and all that. So yes, everyone I, lives. I gotta Every get. Time. I've got to ask one question. This comes from uh, Jody B. You remember Jody B? Oh, uh, hi, did a Jody. show with Jody, yeah. Yeah. Jody wants to know, he asked this question of us, and I never got to it. And so I want to drop it on your plate. Okay. How can he get his wife to give him more oral sex? He's serious. This is a real legit question. Is that, can you answer that? You can't. She has to want to. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing. A, it's not a thing you can demand. It's not. A th- I mean, you can ask and she always gets to say no. Mm-hmm. The of thing course. I would ask is, have you had a conversation about what it is about giving a blowjob she doesn't like? What is it that bothers her? I don't know. Maybe there's some manscaping that needs to be done. Maybe it's a taste thing. Maybe it's a, I'll only do it after you get out of the shower. Like, yeah. 
if it's a hard no, it's a hard no. Lots of people have hard no's. And, and you know, that's not- so true yeah. that it could be a like, you know, hey, because Jody B is a hardworking guy. <laughs> if he's home from work, I mean, he has a hard uh, job. I wouldn't touch him either. I'd be like, you got to show <laughs> Answer's Scrub no. Scrub that area, sir. God, I don't, yes. I don't know. Like, it could be something else. People have different like reasons why that's not something they do. Sometimes it's a personal hang up. Sometimes it's it's historically gone bad sometimes it's they've got a really bad gag reflex i was just gonna say (laughs) they don't want to work on that like i mean but the thing about sex is yeah i know that you want it and yeah i get that like i even get why um then the flip side of that i would i would ask how often are you giving oral that's where i was gonna go yes i mean it could be that kind of a thing but here's the thing about sex it needs to be negotiated like when we talked to the priory society all the time ago right mm-hmm. this is all about this is all about negotiation mm-hmm. and communication and finding out what's getting in the way of that being something they want to do and if the answer is it's my hard no i can't do that how do you respect that and take care of yourself in a different way that allows for it or mm-hmm. how do you find other options to do something that's maybe similar, but not exactly that. Like I've used, I've taught people to use um, uh, masturbation sleeves, pocket pussies. There's certain ones you pocket can use. That can Shout sort out of to pocket pussies. <laughs> they can to kind of, if they're made out of like a jelly, they have a top that can, um, they have an opening on both ends that you can sort of close off the top and create some suction. It can give a similar feel, but it's not exact. But that might Ooh. work for a couple who's willing to figure out like what's the what's the closest I can get to this and we can both be okay. I want to note how easily Rachel Miller just said pocket pussy and never even flinched. I know. This is why she's the powerful Rachel Miller. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I love this lady and so does Brooke and this is why damn it she didn't even think about that it was pocket pussies pocket pussy isn't even as bad as masturbation sleeve (laughs) that sounds so technical (laughs) I use both depending on the audience and so like you know it goes back to that piece about having language and some people, I say masturbation sleeve, and they're like, huh? Yeah, that's strange. That's, that that yeah. makes me feel like it's too doctory. Uh, yeah, it's it's way more like my sex educator speak mm. than my, you know. Just a good old pocket pussy. Pocket pussy might be trademarked and like. It actually, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, it might be the brand name. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fleshlight is a big one. I tried to get them yep. to sponsor us early on. I uh, never heard back. I really <laughs> wanted them as a sponsor. Yeah, they were Joe Rogan's first sponsor. I think they... Yeah, he sold millions of pocket <laughs> pussies. Yeah. <laughs> Jody B is a huge fan of pocket pussies, by the way. Shout out to Jody B okay. uh, for the question and for loving pocket pussies. <laughs> All right. Um, one to also tell, we're going to touch on a couple of uh, kind of current events. Get your thoughts on them, uh, okay. Rachel. And then Brooks got some listener questions that were submitted for you. And then a couple more, and you know the whole song and dance. All right, babe, you go ahead and start with Ariel. What? On the paper that I gave you. Oh, Randall, that is number one, two, three, four, five, six down, Rachel. Yes. Oh, we're back to following the list. We're here. Never change. We're here. (laughs) Randall's not changing for a thing. Uh, Am I dyslexic? No. You're just unorganized as fuck. Okay. (laughs) 
But that's my job, baby. That's what I do. So it's It only took me three times to send Rachel this link (laughs) successfully by email. I got it. It's all good. We're all here, babe. It's good. Um, So I assume about the the casting of the live action Ariel. Is that what you want me to ask her? Yes. That they cast uh, a black girl, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. And I think white people thrown fit is because they're privileged and racist. Yeah. Period. Did you see? Did you catch the Uncle Randy video about this? I did. I was like, "Oh, Randall, please don't let me down on this one." Oh God, no! Very, yeah. Very yeah. I <laughs> would never. That, it's so absurd to me. Like, it's so ridiculous. It made me fighting mad. The people that right? I know that were upset about it, I was like, it's "Are so you stupid. for real?" Right. It like, really bothers you. For yeah, and well, she's a beautiful young lady. Oh, she's she's stunningly you know, beautiful yeah. and incredibly talented. Shut up and let her do her job. And her voice, I'm sure, oh. th- like, yeah, it, she's going to kill it. And this is coming from somebody who, like, Ariel, Ariel's her favorite. Ariel's, but, like, look, I have my Little Mermaid <laughs> notebook. I, I have the original VHS with the questionable with the penis, cover. With the penis on the thing? Yeah, this yes, is this is a notebook that looks like it's the VHS cover. My okay. sister got it for us, for me, when we were in Disney in February. And I was like, does it have the dick on it? And I, <laughs> I don't think it doesn't. But, like, when I, I had the VHS with it, and yeah. it, it's probably still at my parents' house somewhere, like, in their basement. But, yeah, <laughs> Little Mermaid is my absolute favorite. Ariel is my jam. And I think it's – I can't wait for this movie. Like, I'm I think so excited. <laughs> yeah. And if that's the thing you're getting hung up on, oh, like – Jesus Christ, yeah. Just don't watch it. Over yourself. Like, if it's like if it's gonna make you that upset don't watch it we don't want you to watch it (laughs) see i have a hard time with it rachel and it's i know that you and brooke both aren't going to agree with me but one of the big parts that gets me angry about it is i don't believe people when they say that it bothers i'm like no it doesn't it's something else like you're you're you know yeah they're racist yeah i'm like it's not that it's not the aerial girl it's more than that it's that's what bothers me like just Mm -hmm. say what you want to say Really, you know, which is, you know, probably I don't want a black person playing a white person and say that, you know, have the balls to say that, which is terrible, wrong, all the other things that I would say immediately to them. But don't bullshit me with saying you're upset about Ariel being cast as by an African-American girl. That's just dumb. Yeah. And and to be honest i think it doesn't matter who they cast as her there was going to be some t- even if it was a white girl it would have been the wrong white girl like it there would have been something to bitch about no matter what because even who they cast for ursula they cast melissa mccarthy for ursula and there was really? there was uh like black people getting upset that they didn't cast a black person for ursula because it's like ursula's like this is what people were saying like on social media it was like ursula's obviously black why'd they cast melissa mccarthy it's like because she's an octopus she's not any race well so, second <laughs> of all all these are, are so fictional stupid. characters first off well, exactly right. that's what i mean like they're cartoon <laughs> so <laughs> right and we've taken a cartoon and we've made it a live action and this has been the argument of like every single live action that they've done there's been problems with the casting i mean i fully acknowledge that like when they cast Will Smith as the genie, I was like, well, we can't have Robin Williams. So I guess sure. maybe that's the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? But my first heart, like my heart says, but that's Robin Williams. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, absolutely. And that, uh, I, I haven't seen the new Aladdin. I still haven't either. The people I've heard that weren't 
that didn't like the fact that it was Will Smith, when they watched it, they said he was incredible. That's what I heard. I heard he was amazing. So it's on my list of things to see. But I think that there's just this pretending, well, number one, pretending like it matters to the kids. Right. Don't care. No, they don't. And don't put it on the kids. I hate that scapegoat, you know, man, that really pisses me off. When people use their kids in any way, because I see right through it immediately because I don't trust people. I'm like, you're lying right now. Just say (laughs) you're the kid. You know, you're bullshitting me. And so now I don't like you because you're making shit. Well, now you're trying to make your kid as crazy as you are. Because you're like, this is wrong. Don't you think this is wrong? Look at this. This is wrong. It's like, no, why don't you let your kid form their own opinion and have their own thoughts about it? Because. Well, and the thing is, is that was your Ariel. Let this be there. Right. What I said. Yeah. So, I I mean, it doesn't make sense. We can all have an aerial. Hey, everyone gets an aerial. Let's do an open. (laughs) Everybody gets an aerial. Or like, why don't all all these aerials can be everybody's aerial? Because that's really the point from Disney. But like, it's just so dumb that people choose shit like this to get upset about and bitch about. There's really awful stuff happening in the world. And (laughs) this is what you all want to get fired up about. Right. Go home and sit down. Yeah. Well, see, I think people use these as their outlets for their outrage about all the other shit, their bigger hypocrisies or, uh, you know, views. So they take it out on these little bullshit things that absolutely have no effect on anyone, you know, because no one one wants to come out and say, you know what? I just don't like black people. I don't. So I don't want my aerial to they be don't want to Nobody admit wants it to, to say that. Yeah. Well, a lot of these people don't even want to admit it to themselves. They're like, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the minute I hear you say, I'm not racist, but. Right. Like, yes, you are. <laughs> like, exactly. Okay. And I don't mean like capital R racist, sure. like running around with a KKK flag. I mean, you are a white, white person born in a white supremacist society. That's how we were set up. There's no way for not to be biased. Sure. And I think that those people that are on this edge, right? And that just like you said, you said it very well, that if you're not racist with a capital R, right? But you got some of these uh, old ingrained uh, yeah. sensibilities, those people can be saved, I think, and brought back to the right side if they'll just see damn it, you know, sometimes I show some racist tendencies mm-hmm. or I say some racist shit sometimes and maybe I should, you know, watch that. You know, that they, well, they're salvageable to me. Right. I just wish they would see it. Well, for me, here's the thing. And and people give me pushback around this and, and I get it. I understand why it makes them uncomfortable when I say it. But when you grow up in a society that was established on white supremacy, which we were, like it or not, it's the truth. It is ingrained in every aspect of the way we live. Institutionally, societally, culturally, like that's what we've got ingrained in us. We couldn't not be racist as white people unless we were proactively trying to become anti-racist. It's just what we grew up. We drank the water. Mm-hmm. Like, So I'll go around and I'll say, look, I'm a white person. Clearly, I'm racist because there's no way I could escape it. I've been proactively working to deprogram myself for years now, and I'll continue for the rest of my life. But everyone wants it to be like it's this personal attack Mm -hmm. if I say that you're racist. I'm like, I don't see it as a personal attack. I just see it as fact. I'm a white person in a white supremacist society. I'm working on it. 
but people can't own that. They get super uncomfortable with like, Rachel, I'm not a racist. Okay, I'm not saying you're a KKK Confederate mm-hmm. flag carrying like. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's ingrained. We all grow up that way. Look at our look at our media. This is why people are throwing a fit about a black aerial. Well, and we're very close to like the generation that like are just straight up racist with a capital R. Like our grandparents right. and some of yep. our parents. Like it's like I remember my grandparents saying the N word about like a. Mm-hmm news anchor one time and that's like am i i mean you know, my parents are pretty old and then like some of my grandparents were very old yeah her grandparents are like my great grandparents age her dad my was straight parents... up still banging late her dad's 96 <laughs> no he's not he's he's about he's, to be he's about 80, to be 80. He's, yeah he's a killer but like so my grandparents are pretty old and that i wasn't standing for that shit when i was like a teenager i remember like going off on him for saying that but like that's Mm-hmm. the society we live in is that we're all still everybody that's an adult now is still pretty close to those generations that right we're just stri- so like they had a hand in raising you in Absolutely. some way and our systems and our institutions are still set up that way we still haven't broken some of that so like if if white people as well could get better about just sort of owning that it is what it is instead of it being like this personal attack all the time, mm-hmm. we might be able to make a dent in it. But to Randall's point, people are going to throw this shit like, no, it's not that I'm, it's not that I care that she's black. It's just, that's not who Ariel is. Oh I don't know. Go back and read the original. And I'm pretty sure wasn't she like green. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it was a totally different story. Like she was, it was right. She's also a mermaid. Who's ever, also raise your hand if you've ever seen creature. what color a real mermaid is. Right, exactly. No one. Right. And the one that is your Ariel is a drawing. Like it's a right. cartoon. Right. Yeah. We've been so. doing this shit though since the beginning of time with pictures of Christ. Nobody knows what color he was. You know, the actual Jew. Yes, Look at Middle Eastern Well, that's people. what I'm saying. He's, he's the actual Jesus Israeli. Christ yeah. that walked the earth. Whether you believe he was the Messiah or just a rabbi. And we don't even need to get into debating that. But yeah, his skin color by science would have been pretty brown. <laughs> right? He would have been pretty brown. Not this uh, very light-skinned yeah. man <laughs> with a, a well-groomed yeah. beard, by the way, in most pictures when there was not that kind of shit available. Um, you know, so we do that. We tend to paint these pictures and they have to fit that box all yeah, the time. Yeah, because white people in power make everything that's influential about being white yeah that's and why the, jesus had to be white and santa and so <laughs> and they come santa, right oh please and so they come back here's what i think causes a big of the problem um you know because i've got plenty of friends that are and i'm not saying i've, I've got black friends so i'm not racist you gotta let me finish because <laughs> i've got plenty of black Don't friends no i've got plenty of black friends that have checked me over the years and been like hey brother you know that are my you know some of my best friends mm-hmm. and they've been like dude that was kind of fucked, you know, like that bothered me a scotch. And they don't, it's not like, and that's why I love them. They're not like, we're done, I hate you. They're like, but hey, man, that one was a little, that one stung, you know, and then I got to step back well, and be like, That's them being a good you know, friend letting you know, too. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And I could either dig in right then and end our friendship by digging in, or I can be like, you know what, damn it, I'm sorry. I need to mm-hmm. think about it, you know. But it also goes to the to the level and depth of the relationship that you have with them. Because mm-hmm. they were willing to educate mm-hmm. you in the moment. 
-hmm. It's not really their job to, but sure. they care enough about the relationship you're involved in to to take the time and be like, okay, so I love you and I need you to fix your shit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, get it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have those friends too. I'm grateful to them all the time. I, sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, I know I should be doing better than this by now. Like, <laughs> you should not have to call me on that. Ooh, okay. <laughs> step back, take, you know, take a look at myself. Where does that stuff come from? How do I work through it? And, you know, I mean, but yeah, when you take it all personally, mm -hmm. like, no, just go do the work. Yeah. And why has it gotten uh, so difficult? Me and Brooke have had this talk a million times about uh, today with people. And I try to make a big focus on these with my boys on things like this that stick in my head, how people... Nobody wants to say that they're sorry anymore when they fuck up. What they want to do is give like a half-assed sorry and dance around their excuses, right? To kind of justify their shitty thing they did. Mm -hmm. This guy apologizes all the time. This one, me. I fuck up all the time. So I'm a pro at apologizing. Um, <laughs> but no one wants to anymore. And then that's what causes these splits. And then the next thing you know, you've isolated half of your friends. You know, you've gotten, you've pushed them out on an island. Because you can't say, you know what, that was, that was fucked. People will forgive well, you. Sure it is. People can't sit with shame. Yeah. And when you have to acknowledge you did something wrong, people carry lots of guilt and shame and they don't know what to do with it. But should they though? Because when I apologize, I feel better. Like, I think that's my job. If people would learn what an apology really is, it's your job to say you're sorry, right? And then correct the behavior. Then the, whether they forgive you is up to the other person. You can't right. make them forgive you. But your job is done if you're not doing it again, if you're learning from the mistake. So when I apologize and I mean it, like a real apology, mm -hmm. I actually feel better. You know, like, oh, okay. Right. I mean, you can. And I think, here's what I think about that. I think that when people have healthy boundaries, right? And when I say boundaries, I sort of mean your ability to protect yourself from the world and protect the world from you. Um, so if you have like an internal boundary, and then you have an external boundary that keeps stuff from coming in. But if those are in a healthy place and you feel relatively good about yourself most of the time, it's easier when people sort of tell you that you've hurt them for you to go, that wasn't my intention, but I hear how that landed. I, I apologize for that. I recognize my peace. I'll take my ownership and I'll, I'll do better, right? But what some people can't do is when you're not in a good place of of having good boundaries in place and you don't have solid, what I would say, healthy self-esteem, being able to hear somebody's that you hurt someone, you run down a shame spiral and you stay there. You can't come back and you're like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person or I'm you know, I'm this or I'm that or I'm not worthy. And so how do you protect against that? Well, then you get defensive and you are like, well, I, that wasn't what I meant. I don't know why you took it that way. That wasn't what I was saying to you. Oh, like, yeah. Almost always that comes from a place of not feeling good about yourself and not having enough, not having enough healthy self-esteem to be able to recognize that we all fuck up. That like it's it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you screwed up and you hurt somebody. So own it. Do better next time. But a lot of people can't do that. You want to start on the questions for Rachel, babe? 
I'm going to point ones. you toward it. It's the ones with bu- bullet points. We're skipping a whole other section. <laughs> numbers? Yeah, bullet No, points. the other ones are just like listed with spaces. And they then, make, all, they make then no all of sense. a sudden there's some random bullet points. In yeah, the these middle are, of these the are the stage. ones that were sent in for you. And uh, I kind of smushed these them. These are weird and random. Like, Yeah, they're from uh, some of our Twitter friends. So it makes sense. I think it's people that know Rachel. So they weren't asking it like a stranger. But I don't, this first one says, are you afraid to speak your own opinion? Are you kidding me? Have you listened to one yeah. episode with they us? They may not know right? you. But <laughs> does that depend on the context? Because if I'm in a therapy session, it's not, I don't sort of, I wouldn't lay out all of my opinions. <laughs> true. Because I don't have to live their life. Like yeah. I'm not, lots of people ask me, they're like, Rachel, what should I do? And I'm like, that's not my job. My job <laughs> isn't to tell you what to do because I don't have to live with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you've thought about this and I'm curious if you've thought about that and yeah. what about this potential angle on here. It's really different because clearly nobody on here are my actual clients. <laughs> this is like, but you're right. To some extent, if I have a stance, I warn people ahead of time. Like, Look, <laughs> this is what I believe. This is what I think. And so in this circumstance for me, it would mean this, but I'm not, you're not me and I'm not you. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, but in general, no, most people who know me pretty much know where I stand on just about everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have said exactly what you said, babe. Do you know Rachel? I know. What? Have you listened to one episode of us there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what's the wisest thing you've ever heard someone say? That's an interesting question, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh. I feel like it's going to be from Esther Perel or something. Mm. <laughs> um, God. <laughs> No, actually, it's probably as much as I love her. <laughs> um, anyone who knows me knows I do. It would have to probably be from Virginia Satir. And it it is basically that the ways, in fact, I just pulled it up today. I wonder if I still have it so I can pull up the exact quote because it's about, it's a parenting quote, actually. It's about the fact that it's us as parents are reacting like our our greatest fears show up as our most irrational parenting. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, right. That's and spot so, on. <laughs> she's Virginia Steer is also the person who said that like parents are doing the best they can with where they are and what they know, and it might not have been enough for you. Mm-hmm. Right, like mm-hmm. it may not it may not have been what you needed, but that you as the you know now you as an mm-hmm. adult looking back, you can start to see your parents as people. Mm-hmm. rather than just the role of the parent. Um, I was just thinking about that like yesterday of like how much really? I love my parents. And like, I was j- literally just thinking like, okay, like how, not what my parents did wrong, but like how I'm doing things differently in certain aspects than what my parents did. Cause, I mean, and I feel like I had wonderful parents that yeah. set a great example and they were loving, but there are certain things where like, you know, just making a point to spend one-on-one time and things at this age like I don't know I just feel like there's little things that I'm trying to do differently but right and so here's the quote I actually found it nice what lingers from the from the parents individual past unresolved or or incomplete often becomes part of her his irrational parenting Ah. a different way of saying that is very often give our children the things we didn't get as children (laughs) Like we give them the things that we wanted that we didn't get. Mm -hmm. And 
sometimes that works really well. Sometimes it does not because it's, it may have been what we needed, but it might not be what our child needs. <laughs> and so we're trying to sort of give, we're giving this thing we didn't get, which like I said, lots of times it's really great and super helpful, but it's really a matter of how do you connect with the child and figure out what they need mm -hmm. if it's different than what you need. Or needed instead when of just trying to live vicariously through your kid, <laughs> like trying to make sure they never felt the way you felt. I mean, I yeah. can I know that piece. Um, I was a kid who grew up feeling like I didn't have much of a voice. Mm -hmm. like nothing I said really had influence or impact. So my kids, which makes it really hard to parent sometimes, my kids always had a voice. Very mm -hmm. rarely did I ever was something not up for debate. Like yeah. my kids had power and my kids had a voice. That's true. You know? And some people are like, I'm not so sure that was in your kid's best interest. You know, have my kids had to learn some lessons that not everybody cares about their voice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's kind of like to what you're saying, right? Like every kid is different, right? They're not 100% right. their parents. So you got, right. you could have a personality where one of your kids, if you give them everything their whole life, then they'll never work for shit in when they're an adult. And some, you can give them everything and then they still work hard, you know? Yeah. Like, you kind of got to know your kid, right? Like, if they're one that needs to be patted on the ass all the time and told how great they are, or if they're right. one that you got to ride their ass a little bit because they can take it and they need it to move yeah. them forward. Well, so my kids are very different this way. Like, McLaren, you know, who just turned 18, graduated from high school, she's my very internally motivated kid. Mm -hmm. When she knows what she wants and she knows what she's working for, nobody has to say anything to her. She mm -hmm. will do it all for herself, by herself. Mason, who's now 21, he, when he was little, he was the kid I had to force to learn to ride a two-wheeler. <laughs> like, I had to tell him he couldn't get off the bike until he pedaled. Yeah. Gotcha. He screamed and cried at me and I yelled back at him and it's not my finest parenting moment. <clears throat> but he was that kid where nothing motivated him. And I mean, nothing. We tried sticker charts and money and taking away all this stuff. Oh my God. That was, that. Yeah. We went through that with Gunner yeah, recently. I was, was going to bring that up at some point uh, to you because I don't know. It may have been right we might have the same right, kid. Yeah, it may have been right <laughs> after you uh, you took your break to focus on your PhD for a while there. But Gunner went through a stage. Um, shout out to Kayla. She's on here. She runs the daycare. She was earlier. She was a huge yeah, part. She's in a huge part in helping us. Helping she's us. the uh, daycare center <laughs> director, director. Yeah. But Gunner went through a stage for like six months where he was terrible. I mean, just terrible. Mm -hmm. He was awful. You know, he's four. He was just four. And we did get that like anger game and I've played it with him a few times. Like even yeah. recently we did it that um Mad Dragon. Mad Dragon. Yeah. I was like, it's the dragon one. It's yeah. like Uno. Um Dragon. Yeah. And I mean it like He worked himself we out everything. of it though, which was kind of my point was I had a few, you know, I've watched it with Griffin. He He's worked through several stages. Like I knew that there's, they'll oftentimes come out of it on the other side and Thank God, Gunner, like a one day was just like, you know, Kayla. So we were on, I mean, I was, it was killing us how, because he was not being a very good boy. And she was like, man, I don't know, something happened. He's a lot better. You know, he's following directions again. It was blah, literally, blah, blah, it was blah. from like October, because that's, you know, we didn't, he, he, missed out on going trick-or-treating mm -hmm. i had to br oh. keep him home trick-or-treating which broke my heart i think more than his like because i was like we're staying yeah. home and handing out candy and then he ended up like 
having fun handing out candy. I was like, you're not supposed to be having fun. You're punished. (laughs) (laughs) And then then it went through like right up before we went to Disney in February. So it was like. (sighs) It was like five months. So right at that. So here's the interesting thing about some of that, right? Is that sometimes when kids are growing and they're going through transitions, they just push boundaries. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out where they are and, and what they can do and what they can't do. And when you stay structured and you stay consistent, which is, which is in a lot of ways why daycare and school can sometimes be really helpful. Sometimes they just figure it out for Mm -hmm. themselves. You know, Mason was that kid who, I guess that he was ever a bad kid. He was actually, he was a really good kid all the way around, but he used to make me crazy because he like, he didn't give a shit about his grade. He didn't give a (laughs) flying fuck. I was like, your mother's working on a PhD and I got a kid who doesn't care about his grades. Please help me figure this out. Cause I, I don't understand. But then he went to college. He went to community college for two years and now he's in a four year school and he's doing really well and he loves it. And he, and nobody has to tell him anything. He mm-hmm. does it all by himself and for himself. And it all just fell in line for him. Mm-hmm. And he, he decided he was going to be motivated on his own. Mm-hmm. There's some of it. You just have to like, hold on and ride for right, right? that's like, what it was right. we tried everything and then yeah. and he might yeah i mean and it, i was i was just so grateful he came because we tried everything everything and then all of a sudden yeah. it was just like he just got better and like the last little parent teacher conference we had with his pre-k teacher it was like so such a relief because it was just everything yeah. was so much better she was so excited to tell me that like everything was so much better and I was so relieved oh, to be like oh god oh god thank god and then but I will say people around that though here's the thing Gunner's a good kid mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. he's gonna do some things that you don't like and he's gonna be naughty and he's mm-hmm. gonna push the boundaries <laughs> and there's gonna be days you don't like your kid very much <laughs> true story uh-huh. but he's a good kid Mm-hmm. Give him credit for being a good, smart, wonderful, lovely child. Mm-hmm. And and remember that at the end of the day, your relationship with him matters more than whether or not he follows every rule. Oh, yes, totally. Or and whether that... or not he misbehaves in school or whether mm-hmm. or not he makes you look like an ass in the grocery store because he's yelling penis really <laughs> loud, right? Trust me, it was everything in me not to laugh so hard when he did that. Right? Oh, my but God. But that's the thing. Like, yeah, you're not trying to raise a good kid. You have a good kid. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. See, in a you, big part, a big part that I give uh, credit to uh, Kayla about, and she's just so good. She's a daycare director. So, you know, she's dealt with this for years. I mean, she's right. kids from when they're six weeks all old until age, they go to All ranges of types of kids. And she, she <laughs> was the only consistent. She's like, relax. It's going to be fun. And she would right. even tell the teachers when they would have to reach out to us, she'd be like, you know what? That's ridiculous. Stop. Stop. Sit top. <laughs> telling them <laughs> every little thing that he's doing here right. at school. She, Cause Kayla's a parent. She's like, I don't want to know that shit from my kid when I've been <laughs> at work all day. Like unless it's a real big deal, you know, stop. Right. And she was a real like beacon of oh, yeah. you know, steadfast rock. Uh, at least for me, I know that kept uh-huh. me sane and I'm sure you too, babe. But yeah, I learned, great. I learned yeah. with Gunner though, how different he is from my uh, other son. Gunner doesn't respond is not a kid that will ever respond to like uh punishment punishment of you know he's never nope, you couldn't spank him either. you couldn't yell at him like that's nope. not it's not gonna make a dent now oh, griffin's God, different no. uh he could you could 
yell at him. He's going to go pout and it's going to sink in. Gunner's going to be like, that's just, you just look stupid when you yell. <laughs> and all that does is make him sad and make us sad. <laughs> or make him mad. It, yeah. yeah. He doesn't respond to it. And then the like, and really it's like the reward thing and the taking stuff away. That didn't really work. It's, he it, had it nothing, was, Rachel. It was we truly... had emptied his bedroom. We tried all that. We took everything away. At one yeah. point he had nothing left and it just, none oh, of it worked. And it, on all it did, like it broke our hearts like more yeah. than his probably. He didn't care. Cause I, I, like at that point then I felt like I was being a bad mom. <laughs> I'm like, what? well, I mean, and that's the thing. So there's a book that I often recommend to parents. What should this show up again? Right. Mm-hmm. It may not, but it probably will. <laughs> if this is the kind of kid he is mm-hmm. where like discipline's not, you know, punishment doesn't really do anything and like reward stuff doesn't work very well. Sometimes, not always, I find there's a book called, um, I think it's Positive Discipline. Jane Nelson is the author. It's based on Adlerian theory, which isn't always my favorite thing, but there's a piece in there that I love and it's called The Mistaken Goals. And there's this idea that a child's misbehavior is often related to, to a goal mm-hmm. that's based in a misunderstanding of the world around them. And it's sort of like, sometimes it's a power struggle. Sometimes it's, it, there's like four or five Mm -hmm. of them, but there's a chart in that book that talks about how you feel as a parent when your child misbehaves, (sighs) then that helps you figure out what it is that they're trying to accomplish with the behavior. Hmm. And sometimes that can be really insightful. Oh, I bet. Because it has a drastic effect on me. It. Yes. I mean, it yeah. kills me when he's bad. Like It does. It ruins her. Oh, and then my that, God. And that makes me angry. Well, because then, cause it, cause then it's like, a vicious cycle. Yeah. I mean, if I have to punish him. And it would, I mean, like, I there was nights where, like, it would be something as mild as, like, you know, you're not getting a story with mommy tonight. And then I'd be in the bedroom, okay. like, crying. Because I'm like, that's my time at night with him. <laughs> When when the punishment hurts you more than it hurts them, right? Like that's always like, you're like, oh my God, how did we get here? Right. Like who's, who's, who's in trouble? Is it him or me? Oh, you took way more punishment during that period than he did. I know. I really did. I like, cause I. Cause then I, I, I think it's like my fault in some way too, that he was being bad. And then it's like punishing him makes me feel, but it's just a big vicious circle. I, yeah. I want to, I'll look at that positive. Hey, ask uh, Rachel. I want to get to that uh, anonymous mm-hmm. one to her directly before we're too far out of time. Yes. I can't miss that. This is an anonymous question. My wife asked me how I'd feel if she started being a cam girl, cranking it to strangers. I said, if that's what she really wanted to do, then I'd support her. That was the wrong answer, apparently, and enraged her. So if I'm over possessive, that's a problem, obviously. But if I'm under possessive, then that's no good either because she doesn't feel wanted enough. Question mark. You get that? Does that make sense yep. to you, Rachel? Yeah, it does. And this is the dichotomy of people, right? Like <laughs> we, we're, mm-hmm. we're, conf- we confuse ourselves in this, right? Like because if I really wanted to do this thing, then I wanted you to be supportive. But what I was really asking was, would you be willing to share me in this way? And your answer was supposed to be no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mind games, right? Kind of like in a way. Right. Well, 
Yes and no, but I think what it often is is um, what I would call mixed messages, mm -hmm. right? We're not very good as human beings about being direct and asking for what we need and really asking things. And I've been told this is actually more American society, but I, do, I can only speak to what I know. Um, this unwillingness to be direct. So like if your wife really wanted to go do this, you could always, you know, if she proposes this, you could say, is this something you want? Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me about what's going on and why? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't really want to keep you from having a really satisfying sex life. If this is about money, let's talk about it differently. Like mm -hmm. finding out what it is you really want. The truth that she really wants. The truth of the matter is, is she needed to be direct and give clear communication, which she didn't do. Yeah. Like she was looking for an answer. And so that was, wasn't really fair. But part of how you can get around that if you're the partner is that seemed to come out of left field. Can you talk to me about where that came from and how that came to be something you wanted to do? Get curious about why they're asking mm -hmm. versus trying to give the right answer. Mm -hmm. So can that work also in reverse though, Rachel? Like if if the the person asking the question, if he really wants to say no like he's like god no but he says well if it's what you want to do then he's going to automatically be resentful right because he wasn't honest in his right. answer because he wasn't direct yes yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. so it, yeah can, i can see how it could get murky real bad mm -hmm. yeah it can get it can get ugly really really quickly and but we're but we're taught we're taught so many things culturally right like to so men get this confusing thing around so I'm supposed to support my partner, you know, particularly heterosexual men, right? I'm supposed to be supportive of my partner. I'm not supposed to be a sexist jackass. <laughs> I understand that like the, you know, the DV websites and the un the toxic relationship things tell me that being possessive is, is wrong and it's bad and it's a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying not to do that. You're trying to sort of maneuver all of the messages you're given, but women are too. Mm -hmm. I know it works for us. You're mine. Yeah, but I want to give I want to give an example for listeners, right? Of somebody that's horrible at this, and that, that would be me. Um, I'm so bad about this, but the intention comes from a good place. I think, like, I'll refuse. I don't want to be direct because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so, what that ends up doing all the time, Brooke, will, it drives her nuts. Is it'll set a lot of false expectations with yes, people because I'll God. I'll always answer like yes, okay, or maybe yeah, okay, I'll do it instead of you know. Clearly, I didn't want to, and I should have just said no, mm -hmm. but right. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and then I'll overcommit or, you know, and then she, of course, Pays takes the, the ass into that <laughs> when I'm miserable at home or something or pissed off at really myself because yeah. I wasn't honest about uh, how yeah. I felt. So how can you, how is that something you can work on? Practice. Here's the thing. No is a complete answer. Uh-huh. And it's actually, I posted it on my story on Instagram today. There's some, um, maybe I'll pull them up. Maybe I'll repost them on my Facebook page. There's some conversations about, about boundaries and what those look like. And boundaries really are saying what you mean, because that's actually much kinder than. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, it, no, or, it makes total sense. People end up way more pissed when you. Uh, yeah. either half-ass or yeah. stiff them at the last minute, which is something that I've had to do a bunch of times. Or you get resentful because 
you didn't say no when that's what you meant. Exactly. And it, this is boundaries, people. And people struggle with these so hard because <sighs> we're, we're told, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Don't. But the thing is, is you're a lot less likely to hurt someone's feelings if you're honest and upfront. And it doesn't have to be in a nasty, unpleasant way. Mm-hmm. It can just be, I mean, look, it's the thing that happened that happened with us, right? So we were supposed to we were supposed to do a show right around tax time. And I was like, I could do this show. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be super flustered and super frustrated and yeah. watching the time and not really present. Mm-hmm. And that's not helpful for anyone. Or I can be honest and be like, hey, guys, this is just not going to work for me. I, you know, you know, I feel bad. I'll jump back in when I can. I'm not going to be able to do tonight. Well, what would have been smarter for me would have been pay attention to the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, I remember that and it made it bothered neither one of us a bit because yeah. you were like, I can't. Right. And we we're like, great, cool. But this is the thing, right? Like. I could have made that worse for all of us. Like maybe I would have showed up on the show and not been my normal self sure. and not been fully present. Yep. And then you guys have been like, well, what the hell is going on with Rachel? Why was she like off today? What does that accomplish for anyone? Where if you can just be, be direct, it doesn't mean people won't be hurt, mm-hmm. but then they're hurt by truth and by your realness. And they can recuperate from that rather than being, misled or manipulated or lied to or you know hurt by your best intentions Mm -hmm. yeah i'll find those boundaries once somebody posted them on instagram they were great boundaries look like you know yes this is important to me because you are important to me and i acknowledge that right now i just don't have the bandwidth yeah like you know yes i love you i would be there for you and right now there isn't space for my like you know whatever it is i answer i don't answer emails on the weekends you know yeah Mm -hmm. boundaries in different places but that's what it is it's about setting boundaries for yourself it's that internal and external where randall you're really good you have external boundaries where people can throw shit at you Mm -hmm. and it just bounces off like Mm -hmm. it's like a windshield Mm -hmm. you just wipe it off with windshield wipers and you move on it doesn't impact it doesn't impact anything about how you view yourself Mm -hmm. no yeah struggles a little more is the internal boundary in the sense that you're so worried that your stuff might hurt other yes. people that hold it all in. Mm-hmm. Sure. hundred percent. And uh-huh. it's supposed to be like a dotted line, right? It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be a brick wall where you keep it all like, I can't like, it's okay if people hurt me, but I can't hurt anybody oh, else. That's yeah. exactly it. You nailed it. That's exactly it. No, and you're, I mean, Brooks, Brooks been it's so funny because we're so different that way we're polar opposites <laughs> she has no problem saying no and it never sounds mean I just feel like when I say it people are like damn Randall just told me wait to go it fuck never myself. sounds mean I thought I was always no mean. like not when you say no you can just <laughs> oh, okay. say like if people request something of your yes. time yes you'll be if like I just you know don't what that time. doesn't work for me yeah and that's it and it doesn't sound mean it, it actually and it's just similar like when yeah. Rachel's like I do taxes and I was like man you know what that makes total sense yeah. great yeah. But when I say it, I feel like what they're hearing is, hey, fuck you, motherfucker. Uh, right. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you mean nothing to me. And that's not fuck what you're me. saying. Clearly, at all. I don't matter to you. Clearly, yeah. you don't care about me. I know. Yeah. If you did, you'd do all these things. To me, what that says is somewhere along the lines. I'm damaged, Rachel. I have trust, <laughs> I have trust <laughs> issues. No, I'm trying to figure out. There was a message you were given. And I don't have, I haven't 
you and I haven't talked about it enough for me to have a mm. clearer picture of this. But you were given a message about what it means to tell people no, and that sacrificing yourself was something you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You got that message from somewhere. You you adopted it as a rule you know. by which you live. But the problem <laughs> is, is it's no longer helpful. You he knows. Yeah. Oh yeah. He no. knows. Yes. It's, it's like you're a uh, like when people have it's like you're a mind reader. Yeah. Or when people <laughs> has a psychic. And you're like fuck. What Jesus. Yes. No. You just you articulated it. Uh, no i I can yeah poor tom (laughs) yeah tom doesn't stand a chance i love tom by the way tom has been uh, on the show actually also twice he's awesome love tom love love some tom Um, no you just articulated it absolutely perfect and i just looked at randall and i'm like if we weren't on video i would have mouthed something to you but you know baby you know it's weird though because i'm you know i feel weird about it i'm i'm a huge advocate of therapy i tell everyone i know I think it's great. I have a therapist here. I see her every mm-hmm. three months, whether shit's going wrong or not. She's my like check in. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I don't know. I, I love it. I think everyone should have somebody that they talk to. Right. Like that's just my opinion. Um, so I'm not shy about it, but it's still hard for me to think that there's still part of me that thinks it's bullshit that we carry shit from our childhood because uh-huh. I'm 40 years old. You know, like I'm like, hey, really? Am I still carrying some shit from when I was five, yes. six, or seven, yes. for real? Yes. Sometimes I'm like, you know, this whole thing's a load of and shit. And that's why I'm so paranoid about everything with Gunner, because I'm scared I'm going to fuck it up, and then he's going to be somewhere when he's 40 talking about how his mom screwed him up. <laughs> will be, because we all screw up our kids in our own ways. But here's I know. The thing. It's, a, it's not usually intentional, but B, also, Randall, here's, here's what I'll tell you. I don't know that it's that we carry shit, right? (laughs) I think we as children create rules for ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can function in the families we grow up in. Lots of those rules are not explicitly stated. Not like some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. And some of them is how we as kids make sense of the world Mm -hmm. around us without all the pertinent information. Mm -hmm. And so we don't even know to check those rules until we sit in therapy and somebody's like, I'm intrigued as to why you think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can follow it back and go, well, when I was a kid, I remember so-and-so saying this and this. So what I told myself was X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's your interpretation of how you yeah. took other people's behaviors and stuff. Yeah. And you may have been misreading people's body language. Mm -hmm. You as a child don't have full context for the adults in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's just, we do, as children, our brain just fills in the information we're not given. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't even mean that that's the message anyone was trying to give you. So I wouldn't say you're carrying it. I think it's just how you made sense of the world until someone looked at you and goes, I don't know that that's helpful for you anymore. You <laughs> yeah. can do it differently if you want to. And he yeah. is a very sensitive, like he's. Well, of course. We, yeah. all, we all know that. Everyone <laughs> knows that. That's where, that's where the Uncle Randy's a little different. Uncle Randy's a hard ass. He has no emotions. Well, he does because he cares about the young. He cares about the young. Cares folks. about the youngsters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do want to add. There was a, a caveat to that question, and it was for Brooke. Mm-hmm. I said follow up question, Brooke. How would you feel if Randall became a non nude cam boy? That's a no. <laughs> no. Do you that know what the de- question? Real question. That was a question. Yeah, because I mean, 
Do you know the what a cam... The same person that asked you that question, you know Rachel, a... followed up with that for Brooke. You know what a camboy is, right? I don't really know what they are. Picture that they're just this sitting from... here nude or something. Not necessarily. So non-nude really doesn't have anything to do with the fact that it's a fuck no from me because this is from Reddit, so I know it's real. Um, For those of you that don't know, camboy slash girl is someone who performs sexual acts for money via a camera on their laptop. Mm. So no. How is that non- How can you not be nude? You could be doing sex things to other people or something like not, but no, just no. You could give a blowjob to a dildo, I suppose. Yeah. I guess that's, yeah. Or a pocket pussy. Yeah, no, we'll find, we'll find, we will find other ways to make money. So no. That's I mean, so you... funny. Could you picture Uncle Randy as a camboy, though? I bet there is like a small of course section could... of women, though, that'd be like, ooh. Uncle and not Randy. just women. Say God. I'm damn. sure not. I mean, there's, there's, I know a couple of uh, gay guys. One of my friends from back in the day, I don't even know if he still listens to the podcast, but I think it was before we had the podcast. He used to always like oh, send messages. Yes, he would yeah. send messages because he, loves a big bearded dude and like would be like oh your husband's so fine i'm like i know chill Call, out he, dude he, he t- he's the one that told me <laughs> i would be, he t- he's the one that told me i would be a bear yeah oh yeah in the gay community oh, you know, yeah. like i'd be considered the bear which is you know, oh, we had some of that conversation i remember mm-hmm. that yeah that's uh, i mean i'm cool so, with that that's yeah flattering. but you're not gonna be a camboy of course not that's ridiculous so whoever <laughs> asked that that's the answer is no i think that was just the reason they just <laughs> wanted to hear you uh hear yeah. you say that wanted to hear that you that wanted to hear me tell lifetime yeah it's not happening yeah I, you know i just realized i don't think we've talked to rachel since we moved to our new house <laughs> no i saw pictures yeah. but i had yeah i haven't talked to you guys since you moved it's everything good in the new neighborhood it's wonderful oh, yeah. wonderful it's a, it's we love it totally good. different world we had we had such an older you know house I love that old house. I still haven't. See, here's here's where I'm damaged, Rachel. Right? I haven't driven For past one, it either. I don't know if you saw the pictures. Like when we moved out, I was I like everyone left, and I sat in there. I was the last man out. I cried all weekend. I was I'm a not, basket well, case. Let me finish. Yeah. I'm not saying that. It, I know it affected you, but like I needed to sit in it by myself. Yeah. So when you left, I was like, all right, I'm gonna stay, see the movers and mm-hmm. everything, you know, because you know all the memories in that house and everything. Yeah. And I still haven't been able to drive by it, Rachel. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to. You might not. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's just, it, at some point, you may be able to drive past it and do it fondly. But right now, you're still grieving the loss of that. And it doesn't mean you have to. How you do that is your own deal, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we spent the first five years Tom was here in the house. And then we moved into the house where now... I think maybe once or twice we've driven by the house. We have tons of great memories, mm-hmm. but it's also a house. Right. Right. And yeah. oh, yeah. Other people live there. Things change about it. But I was that torn up when my grandparents moved out of the house that they had most mm-hmm. of while I was growing up. Like, I mean, I was crushed when they resided it and it went from yellow to blue. I was like, who does that to me? Like, <laughs> no, grandma. Like, yeah. I even painted a picture because when I was little, they, I mixed up yellow and green. And so I called my grandma, the green grandma <laughs> the house. I know. <laughs> so they had, a, they had to have the house painted. Like they had to have a, a picture of the house painted. that I think my grandparents still have of the yellow house. Cause mm-hmm. like that mattered to me. Like, mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've ever driven past my grandparents' house since they moved. Yeah. Like, I haven't, I haven't driven past it. It was, 
it, was it, it was bittersweet. I mean, it was definitely like, I love this house so much. And it is. It's just a house. Yeah. But there was just, I lived in that house for 13 years. Like, and it was. baby in the house. I had my baby. In, he took his first steps in that hallway in that house. And like, Randall and I started our relationship there. And it yeah. was the last place my my first child, uh, my dog, Breeze, lived. <laughs> and like. Yeah. So just so many things, but people pretend though that like the only thing we get or we're supposed to grieve are like death losses. But the truth is we experience all kinds of non-death losses that mm-hmm. we don't always give enough space to an acknowledgement of. Like mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't understand why I was such a basket case for all weekend. And it was like Randall was was it was like leading up to it, Randall was the one that was like not like a basket case like I was in the same sense, but like he was the one very like a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. But like when it came to the day of us moving out and then the consecutive days, I was the one like I was so much. It just all came out. And like we had like two days where like we moved everything out. But then we had another day or two to go get like last few things and like clean things right. up. So it was almost like just like slow rip of the band aid where like I had to keep going back. And like it was just every Oh my God. Yeah. Your space anymore, but it's your house. Yeah. It was. And that was just, it would make it just, it would just rip my heart out every time. And my sister went with me the very last time to go get like a few things I had like piled up in the boys rooms that like couldn't fit on the moving truck. And like, we just had to throw them in my car and it was like, we pulled up and she was like, Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Everything. And like, it's just immediately like, and then, but we walked in and then I'm like, okay, this house smells old because it is old. I mean, it's Very a old. It's old yeah. house. And I mean, but it, it smelled like my house that I lived in forever. But I was like, OK, so different right. than here. So like, different. And you walked in this house and it house. smells new. And I was like, OK, I mean, it was this, this makes right it easier. <laughs> yeah, it was, all the reasons were right. Um, it was a huge upgrade, all the yada, yada, yada. But it, yeah. it, it just it opened my eyes. And I've told people mm-hmm. I never really appreciated until we left that small old house (laughs) of how much I think people put too much value on how big or how new their house is. Oh, absolutely. Because that old house, what doesn't look like much to a lot of people. It was full of that house was (laughs) a magical place to me. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and so it makes a lot because this house is way bigger, double the space. If I'm comparing them side by side, they're both great houses. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. The other one's no less of a. Oh, and Gunner still will say stuff about like his old room and the old mm-hmm. house. Like he didn't see it as a small house either necessarily. Like right. that was that was his only home until we came here, and it affected him too. There he was the the day leading up to like packing and all that and and moving he was not right like that that day we moved he was like saying his stomach hurt and all this stuff and like not outright saying it was anything to do with it but I knew it was like all and he could probably sense all my anxiety too (laughs) both of us yeah I was trying not to be like a complete like ball of tears in front of him but like change is hard yeah and loss is sad and we pretend like it's neither of those things. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to muscle through it. You're supposed to like, this is big and exciting. You're not supposed to be sad. That right? was like, my, yeah. I was like, I'm supposed to be excited and happy. And oh. Oh. look, we, 
we've only been in this house four years and we'll be moving in the fall. McLaren's moving out. And it's not that I'm so attached to the house, but at the same time, there will be something sad about mm-hmm. living here because we're leaving more of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like we live in the suburbs, we're out, you know, and Tom and I are moving to the city. Oh, oh and McLaren, cool. my brother's being deployed in September and McLaren's going to live in his house while he's gone. Mm. Um, so she'll be staying in the area, but yeah, we'll be downtown Chicago with all September. your animals. <laughs> One of them's going with her, but yes, the rest are going with us. Oh. Rachel, <laughs> I know. Right. It's going to be an interesting transition. Oh my! But, I mean, for me, it's also like the empty nester thing. Yeah. Um, but even leaving just leaving the area is sad, right? Oh like, gosh. That was a big part of Randall's yeah. anxiety too. Well, yeah. it was my day to day, like my routine, right? Like yeah. I'm such a creature of, of habit. Like right. I have my mm-hmm. footprint. I could hit every store. <laughs> I knew yeah. if I needed to hit this store on the way to there, I could also stop and get my, this here. Yeah. And yeah. you know, we come here my universe has changed. And right. that was what took some time to get used well, to still working a lot. On it. I yeah. still don't, uh, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I think I think whenever whenever there's any sort of big shift, it's it takes time, and you need to give yourself a chance to grieve, and you need to give yourself a chance to be sad about it, and really sit with yourself and be, you know, acknowledge the things that are great, but also acknowledge what you miss. Like, mm-hmm. if it's, I mean, we have for the first time we have really great neighbors. They've been amazing to us. We will miss them terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're going to pick up and go where, like, I know people, but I don't know anybody who's living where we're planning to go, mm-hmm. not specifically, because I just want to be able to walk to work for a while. I'm tired of my commute. So, you know, oh, that's going we'll to be nice. Right. I'm so excited. About that. <laughs> you know, we do. We do this thing about, like, how do you hold both and, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it is super exciting. And it is a really, like, it's a really big deal for you guys to to move into a bigger place mm-hmm. and to have all this extra space for the kids and to, you know, live in a new neighborhood. It's super exciting. And <laughs> even behind what you left behind is still really sad. But people think you can only sort of have one emotion at a time. It's like, both can be true. You just have to figure out how to hold both of them and and kind of juggle them a little bit. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I actually felt good about. I was going to kind of touch on that, but didn't know how to say it, so now I do. Is I thought we handled it like we've handled it really good because we've we've mm-hmm. we've handled both sides of it, you know, that no one I feel better doing that to where we both knew each other were sad than mm-hmm. for us to be pretending like we weren't sad. And then, you know, there'd be like fake fights that are really, oh, you know, yeah. you take that kind of shit out on each other as a couple. Right. And a lot, a lot of couples do that. And the fact that we're able to see it, I think it's just a win, you know, I mean, everybody yeah. has wins and losses, but I think that's well, a win. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was not, I can't hold anything in ever. So yeah, that's more me. I'm more talking to me. I'm definitely the one to hold Well, it. and I don't really let you hold anything in. No, I just, and I, that's what I was going to ask you for our last question, Rachel. And this is, uh, from, uh, Randall here. Uh, he's a <laughs> he's a listener, okay. but like with our boys, I'm trying to teach right. Like as a parent, you juggle, you know, the do as I say, not as I do, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want, I don't want my boys to be so anti change, like I am. You know, like change is very hard for me. I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of it. 
I know everyone around me that knows me knows how much I hate it. They, they, we all kind of they try to accommodate to it. it, and I have to like fight and tell them, "Hey guys, it's okay that the re- mm-hmm. I don't pick the restaurant. Like, you guys pick it. Like, it's like, and it's just because they're being sweet. It's you know, they're just okay. trying to be nice. But I don't want my boys to pick up on that or, or try to help them be the people that like embrace change. You know, because Brooke is very much that way, which helps me because at least my partner is the opposite so they see both but mm-hmm. i was wanting to get your thoughts if there's anything i can do to help me with that you can be no here's the thing i think the best thing you can do for the boys is to acknowledge to them that this is something you struggle with mm-hmm. like be real with them about change has always been hard for me i work really hard to sort of practice going with the flow Brooke's really helpful in in helping me navigate some of that. I hope for you guys that you can find change to be exciting, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just be honest with them about the struggle. They might too. I don't, I struggle a lot less with change, but McLaren can't stand it. Mm -hmm. Like, she hates change. Like, oh God. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt most of her life, like I've spent it pushing her (laughs) off the cliff of her comfort zone Mm -hmm. every minute of every day (laughs) i i mean and then trying to balance that with like understanding that she she's comforted by routine she likes what she does (laughs) that way Uh so like trying to give her that and we've spent lots of her life working around her anxieties and her dislike of change and pushing her out of it right Mm -hmm. like Sort of do both and but I think the more honest you can be with the boys the more they can understand that people are different and that nothing is locked in mm-hmm. like you can say this this is hard for me I know it's hard for me I also know it's good for me to do it anyway and so I'm going to push through mm-hmm. uh, or I'm going to take a little longer to do this because I know I need more time and space but just be as honest with them about your struggles as you can because mm-hmm. then they know it's okay to struggle yeah because you, if they're kids who don't like change, they may always be that way. Sure. Yeah. But how do you share with them how you cope with it, and how do you share with them about knowing when to to get yourself to do it, even if it's uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the big thing, you know. I don't want them to miss because mine it really set in on me as I when I was older. Like oh, it's gotten yeah. worse, you know. Like it's not. I don't want it to like settle in on them even younger than it was for me because. If I was like I am now when I was younger, geez, I would have missed out on everything. You know, like I don't want them to miss things. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's just getting uh, older or, you know, maybe some of it was how the, you know, upheaval of, you know, a bad divorce and then having such a good, stable relationship that me and Brooke have now. You know, I think part of it sometimes I can trace all the way back to like, I don't want to lose that like Mm -hmm. that. You know, now I've got this solid uh, rock and safe. nothing's going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Life feels safe this yeah, way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Your brain wants, your brain's whole job is to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So it's working all the time to keep you safe. And if that feels safe, then it wants you to do more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's where I think a piece of it uh, definitely is. Yeah. For sure. But knowing that allows you to sort of look at it and make decisions around that and figure out how to best cope with it, where it's helpful and where it's not. Mm -hmm. And as far as the boys go, 
giving them opportunities, but also giving them opportunities to say no mm-hmm. and letting them practice figuring out when it's good for them to, to push themselves a little bit out and when it's smart for them to listen to their gut and stay back. Like you can just practice with them that way and, and let them, I think the best thing we can do for kids is, is sort of help them understand that even grownups, like we don't have it all together either. And we don't always get it. And we, ha- yeah. we have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, I wish that <clears throat> looking back on how we're talking about, you start to see your parents as people. Yeah. Um, when that kind of hits you, you know, like, I don't know how much of that maybe comes from, uh, you know, my parents maybe just trying to keep it together because of all the, you know, different things from when I was growing up. Yeah. And if that's, you know, just kind of created a, where I'm trying to be so far outside of that and being proactive about things. But, you know, last thing any parent wants to do is drop some baggage on their kids, you know. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about it. You can't avoid it. There's no way that your kids are coming out of childhood unscathed. <laughs> Wait, Why yeah, not? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It's impossible, right? Right, because they aren't you. I know. They're figuring out their stuff. They have their own path. But, you know, being open with your kids, age appropriately honest with your kids, allowing, developing a relationship with them that allows them to come to you to talk to you and for you to still have influence, mm-hmm. right? Like that's all you can do and be there to answer the questions and recognize that you're not perfect and you never could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great advice. I can yeah. think I can cancel my therapy session coming <laughs> up uh, this time. Tell Dr. Holland, she can have a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's the best though you would actually love her i, I think you I guys would, would get along famously she's uh she's top notch mm-hmm. she's a lot she's a lot very similar to you i know that you talked about how therapists are so different right they're all different yeah. people but she's a lot in your vein of you know she's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. you know i'm an yeah. older guy so i know that it's easier for her to just kind of give it to me straight speak truth to bullshit like look at people and go did you really just say that? Mm-hmm. Did you hear yourself just yeah. now? <laughs> uh, How's that working for you? What's <laughs> funny though, Rachel, this really is going to be my last thing and we'll run because <laughs> we've got to run. I know you've got to run, but it's, it's so weird. And I know people, a lot of people that fight seeing a therapist that I wish, uh-huh. I hope I could reach and if they listen to our show. Maybe they would be a little more open to it is Sure. 95% of what my therapist says to me, Brooke has said to me hmm. the yeah. exact same thing. 90, maybe 98% of it. Like I've heard it, but it's just different, you know, hearing mm-hmm. it from Dr. Holland than it is my wife, which is strange to say, and I'm not knocking Brooke That's fine. by saying that, <laughs> but it's, you know. Sometimes it's it not sinks, rocket science. As long I guess. as it sinks in somehow, I'm fine. Well, with I it. had this conversation with a potential client who was like, "I've always been curious about this therapy thing, right? Like, I feel like I've had a pretty good life. I'm functioning pretty well. Like, but there seem to be these patterns that show up, and people look at me and go, "Are we doing this again?" And then I'm like, "Oh, maybe I should talk to someone about that." And I here's what I told her. I said, "Look." the reason therapy is helpful is because I don't live in your story. Mm -hmm. So if I say something 
or ask a question that reminds you of something that somebody else in your story has said, mm -hmm. it gives more validity to the thing that person said, because I'm not in the middle of it. Yep. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have to live with the consequences of it. I don't have to, you know, but if I'm asking a similar question to what Brooke's asking, or I say something just offhandedly that sounds similar to something mm -hmm. that, you know, your sister said, or then all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe there's something to that that I should think about. Sure. Yeah. Or what I've had people say to me, interestingly enough, is they're like, yeah, that, the way you said it, <laughs> that's what I meant, but I, I didn't know how to say it. So I, to, I had a client say to me like, Rachel, you have the best words. Like, brings a notebook into session to write them down. I'm like, uh -huh. I'm like, I don't know if I go that far, but for some reason, sometimes somebody outside of your circle yep. can say things in a way that land differently. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what I think is so critical. Mm -hmm. Why I wish, I hope people will, and it's gotten better. I've got so many friends that, uh, people would, you know, ignorantly be like, there's no way that guy doesn't go to therapy. You know, he's a tough guy, whatever, all the fake, you know, wrong things. Um, cause I don't think anyone's too tough or too awesome for therapy. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great tool, um, yeah. for everybody to, uh, to you have that fits for you. Yeah. Like the first one doesn't work. Go find another one. There's, mm -hmm. there's always a fit for somebody. You just got to find it. Yep. Well, all right, Rachel, well, I'm going to wrap that one up. I know uh, we've held you a long time on this one. It's so good to, to just to see you and talk to you. Yeah, I haven't talked to you guys in forever, yes. so this was good. It was fun. I know. This feels right. It does. It just feels <laughs> feels so natural. We can probably get back into the once a month thing if it, that sounds Yeah, fun. absolutely. I think people are uh, will want that, and we'll be able to put out um, you know, the feelers for what we want to do, like a topic to line up questions. And, cool. Uh, we can kind of maybe line that up with if I get similar questions for old uh, Uncle Randy and we can all sync it up together. But uh, we'll put everything out on uh, all the socials and the recorded audio of this will go out. I don't know. Brooke will get get it all done in a week or so within a week, probably. Yeah, we got to do podcast the roundtable to release <laughs> yeah. that first, probably. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get that knocked out and uh, this uploaded. But. Sounds um, good. Anything? How can I uh, reach you, new folks? Uh, oh, okay. So, um, Twitter handle is Miller Rachel D. Um, Instagram is Rachel D. Miller. Facebook is Rachel D. Miller AMFT. All right. All right, Rachel. Well, we love you. We'll talk yeah. to you uh, later. And Sounds good. Good to see you. Everybody so else, you. Uh, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.